This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, as much as we love sweater weather, runny noses never seem to follow too far behind. And with school in full swing, some children are bringing home more than just homework. I'm talking about colds, strep throat, the flu, and yes, COVID. If you haven't heard, we've got some new variants to discuss. So how can you best protect yourself and your family? Let's get some answers now from Dr. Mia Termina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Welcome back, doctor. Hey, Sasha. So some of these letters we've heard of, but some new numbers, BA 4.6, BF 7, BA 2.75. This is the three new variants here. They're the latest to spread across the country. So what can you tell us? Well, they are present, but they're present in relatively low numbers right now. BA5 remains the predominant variant that we are still seeing. The challenging part is going to be that we have less and less people seeking testing and seeking PCR testing, so less random sampling is being sent for these variants, so it's becoming difficult to really see how much of these variants we're seeing in the community. But looking at Europe and seeing the trends that they're seeing uh, with uh, BF7 um, and BA5 uh, or BA4.6 coming up to you know 10 or 12% of the cases, we're seeing them in 1% of the cases, 2% of the cases right now. They're just small differences and small variations. And their subvariants, well, BF7 is a subvariant of BA5, and it's just all picking up additional mutations along. Along the way. Oh boy. Okay, so it's it's not a lot right now. It's it's making up nearly one in five new infections across the country. But I have read that BA two point seven five has quote the most extreme antibody escape than any other variant so far. What in the world does that mean? And should I run? We shouldn't run. We should stay up to date on our vaccines. <laughs> that's how I feel. Um, Hearing you say all these numbers, yeah. that's how I feel. Yes. So, I mean, certainly the antibodies that we make when we are either exposed to the virus itself or when we get our vaccines as uh, scheduled and stay up to date on them are as protective as they can be. But we have a virus that will continue to mutate to try to overcome our antibody protection. This doesn't mean that we have a true escape variant. It means that We've got a variant that is uh, more challenging and more contagious. So the best defense is the offense that we have, and that's going to be to stay updated on our vaccines, including these bivalent uh, vaccine boosters that Mm -hmm. do have as much Omicron protection as we can possibly get at this point in time. Yeah, let's talk about that current COVID booster, doctor. Do we know how effective it could be against these new variants? Well, we know that it's highly effective against most strains, the original strains of Omicron, and we're still learning in a laboratory setting. We know that it was effective against BA4 and BA5, but we want to see how this is working in the real world. In cities where we have already rolled out a considerable number of these booster doses of vaccines, we are seeing case counts dropping. That being said, it's hard to say that it's exclusively due to the booster or due to still people uh, enjoying some fall weather and being outdoors, and we just simply have haven't had time to see exactly how effective they're going to be uh, as we use them and as we see possibly breakthrough infections this fall. Yeah. So you mentioned case counts down over the weekend. Chicago and the suburbs went back to so-called low transmission levels. This was the first time in five months. Do we know what variant is dominant here in our area? 
It still is BA5. Okay. Um, and that's going to be the most dominant variant. We're looking, you know, where it was almost all BA5. We're still looking between 75, 80, 85% BA5. And then we have uh, BA4 and some subvariants of BA4 making up about 10%. And then that BF7 is about 1.7% right now. So are there specific symptoms that we should look out for to know if we're infected with one of these new ones, the BF7 you just mentioned, or if it's just BA4 or BA5? So very early on, anecdotally, we are hearing a lot of sore throats uh, and runny nose and headaches. So more viral sore throat-like as opposed to the cough, shortness of breath, loss of smell and taste, things that we saw that were hallmarks of of the earlier strains. So uh, mostly it's a lot of sore throats, headaches, and, and that type of viral presentation. So if you could take out your crystal ball, doctor, how much more do you expect this virus to mutate into new variants over the fall? You know, it's going to continue to pick up these mutations. And that's when we talk about a a concept called antigenic drift, where basically I think of it as a piece of driftwood in the ocean, just kind of picking up sediment along the way. And we have this drift that's happening where mutations will continue to pick up along the way. But we're, we're seeing is very slight changes between these strains of Omicron, BA5, BA4, and and varying, you know, from those and beyond. It's not showing any dramatic shifts in that we have a whole brand new variant that needs to be looked at, respected, treated, vaccinated differently at this point. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up antigenic drift there, because another term that we're hearing is antigenic shift. Can you just make clear the difference between those two? Yeah, so that's these are traditionally terms that we usually use for uh, influenza cases, but to apply them to COVID, what we've seen along the way from um, you know the original strains of COVID, alpha, beta, gamma, we're looking at a virus that picked up mutations along the way and became different enough to drift to a new variant and a new name and a new level of contagion. What scientists are now saying is that Omicron, which has dominated throughout all of 2022, really kind of represents a shift where, frankly, we have a virus and Omicron that is so different from the original strains of COVID that essentially it's its own virus. You know, Omicron variant of COVID is is basically respected and treated and vaccinated as its own thing. And that's why we have these variant-specific boosters. So we're looking at a virus that changed so much from the original strains that it's essentially its own new viral entity. Mm -hmm. And we will now drift uh, with different variants of of Omicron until and unless we see another shift. You know, I can't be the only one thinking this. I just wonder with all these different variants, all these letters and numbers, um, the fact that you're saying there isn't that much difference, especially with these three new ones, uh, as far as symptoms uh, and so forth. Should we, the public, know about every little variant change? Should some of that that's, stay in the lab? That's a great question. Because I feel like it, definitely... we're just being confused for no reason. <laughs> we are. And, and it does create a little bit of unnecessary 
angst at times because this is what right. viruses do. And we can certainly, you know, uh, give you a list of, of all different changes that happen with every cold and flu virus. Uh, and that's not something that the American public really had much of an interest in. And it really wasn't in the forefront right. uh, for until this pandemic. So for the most part, stay tuned with the basic concepts of yeah. yes, this virus is around. Yes, it's doing what viruses do. And yes, what we have available for testing, treatment and vaccinations is is the best of what we have at each given moment in time. And we will continue to refine and bring to the public the treatments and vaccines that are necessary to keep us safe. Yeah, sometimes it just feels like too much information is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, meanwhile, the president makes a bold statement that the pandemic is over. I want your take on that. Oh, boy, I've been asked that question quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is that what we experienced, especially with the unbelievable surge in Omicron last fall and winter, and what we have seen with certain surges in the past before we've had vaccines and treatments and therapeutics available, in my mind, that pandemic feel is behind us. And I'm in agreement there. But when we say a pandemic is over, this is not a date on the calendar, and it's not a declarative statement. It's simply a period of time where we have decided, and I say we as society as a whole, mm -hmm. in addition to the scientific community, that we've reached an acceptable level of of incidents and death. And that's unfortunate because we're still talking about 400 deaths per day right now at this really low point in, in COVID. And to say that that is what we're settling on as being an acceptable end to this pandemic is, is just doesn't sit well with me. Um, I think that obviously uh, COVID is here to stay. It's going to continue to be something that uh, causes severe illness in some of the most vulnerable folks. So we have to stay mindful and uh, continue to keep our guard up. But uh, the American public certainly has uh, decided th that normalcy is what is desired and uh, the day-to-day -day is going to be less disrupted with this acceptable level of, vac of virus in our communities. So let's shift gears. We've mentioned how changes in weather can bring colds and flus, right? And some kids are bringing home strep throat from school now. So is this just something that we should expect as fall just kicks into high gear? It is. It's something that we see every year as fall kicks into high gear. And again, it's one of those things that's, you know, becoming headlines because we're so transfixed on communicable diseases over the last two and a half years. We've always had cold and flu season. We've always had kids out with strep throat, RSV, flu, and other things. It's just now we're seeing it more uh, in social media and we're seeing it more uh, in the news. And that is something that we do pay attention to. Me personally, I haven't seen any uh, strange or pervasive in increase in cases. It's, it's pretty much the usual amount of cases that we have been seeing. And we have to take into account that with two and a half years of mitigations in place, we didn't see a lot of this stuff. So coming back to a normal amount of respiratory virus and a normal amount of strep throat, et cetera, mm -hmm. might feel like a lot because the last couple of years, our kids have been relatively healthy wearing masks and, and using mitigation strategies in school. And you've said this on the show before, but just in case there are folks who did not hear, you do recommend that getting our flu vaccine and our COVID vaccine can happen at the same time. Yeah, absolutely can get them same time, same day, same arm if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, last time I got the flu vaccine, I didn't quite get sick, Dr. Taramina, but I did feel feverish and my whole body was achy. Why was that? 
When patients tell me that, my response is good. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I want your okay. body to do. I want your body to be accepting of this signal and this uh, this you know message to go ahead and make antibodies to protect us against what's going around. And especially in younger folks, uh, you know, some of us have more of an inflammatory response and more of an acute response to receiving a vaccine. If you don't feel anything, that doesn't mean that it's not working at all. But for people who do have those fevers, flu-like symptoms, headaches body aches, that's your body doing exactly what it needs to do, taking that mm -hmm. small amount of trigger and making the antibodies that it needs so that it is ready when the real deal comes our way. I want to get the latest from you on monkeypox as well, and, and also hear the guidance that you're giving to both LGBTQ folks and others, right? Because we've seen this disease spread among queer communities, but we also know that just because one group's affected disproportionately doesn't mean that other people can't contract this disease. That's exactly correct. And we have definitely seen a, a, a downtrend in the case counts uh, over the last month and a half or so from our peak that we saw back in August. And, and we do owe that to a couple of different things, getting that vaccine out there to a lot of the most vulnerable folks. Uh, and it has been um, taken up quite well. It's easier now to find vaccines than it was certainly in August. And also just uh, the word on the street and how this is transmitted with a lot of folks realizing it, it can be transmitted with close intimate contact, including sexual contact, it has led to people sort of uh, being a little more selective in their sexual partners and in who they are interacting with. And that has led to a downtrend in these case counts as well. So by exactly as you said, this is not something that should be completely and exclusively thought to be a virus that uh, transmits in the LGBTQ community. Uh, it is something that spreads with close physical and intimate contact. And it happens to be that in the that community, uh, we are seeing uh, the most number of cases right now. That's infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Termina with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, doctor. Thank you.